welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Let's Talk About Baby Thrones. Do, 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 no, no, Daddy don't Thrones. go there. <laughs> don't go there. I won't go there. But welcome to uh, Let's Talk About Thrones, where three people talk about a show that is uh, currently off the air, but is coming back super soon. In fact, it might already be back by the time you hear this episode, such as the nonlinear nature of podcasts. It's so amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that was a me. dig at my production schedule, but I'm okay. I'm, I, I, no, I approve. No, it's a dig at... No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's, it is a nod to the on-demand nature of podcasting. Correct. Absolutely correct. Um, and what I would like to say is that I'm joined in this endeavor of going through all the episodes of Game of Thrones leading up to the most current season, which launches in some time in April 14th, 2019, uh, with uh, Sir Richard of Confusia. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll own up to that. And Sir Anthony of Diligent Note-Taking. Uh, and myself, Sarah, Jenny, uh, coasting on bare fumes into the final season. <laughs> How's everybody doing? All of this hey, is accurate. I, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know, Anthony, I'm a little bit worried if, uh, you know, given, given Jenny's track record for the last couple episodes and she's leading this one. Mm-hmm. What do you, you do? We want to take odds on. Whether she's going to make it through or not? Um, I think it is incumbent on us to bring the energy that these episodes brought me in the, the emotional ring as I was watching them. And if we can do that, she can stick around because we can actually All transfer right. the energy through Skype into her eardrums and direct line into her brain and keep her hyped up for this whole show. Oh, Great. so true. What episodes are we talking about? <laughs> uh, season six, episode nine, Battle of the Bastards. <gasps> I should have watched it. This and is season, one of the greatest episodes ever. Season Absolutely six, awesome. episode ten, The Winds. Oh my winter. god, this is so great. All um, right. I'm here just gonna we go. say right off the top, these are two of my favorite episodes of the entire show. Ah, and wow. it, they, they're they just they're so well constructed and the stories they tell like I don't know I rewatched episode 10 the winds of winter and I don't know how another episode or if even a finale for that matter is going to match all that happens in that episode it's so dense with with it's just it's so good yeah. it was kind of like watching the last hour of the last episode of Lord of the Rings. Mm. Right? Yeah. It, because like ending after ending after ending, like it was just setting setting one thing after another <laughs> in place. Yeah, they crazy. They, they officially removed all the fluff. Okay. So here's it's really easy to summarize. And I think in this instance, even though we don't normally do this, we should take this episode by episode. Yes, I agree. I agree. These are not really a pair. They are not. This is probably the first time in six years of content. Six years, six seasons. These two stand independent. Yeah, since early season two, I think, was the last time we decided that they didn't really match up very well. And let's uh, clarify right off the bat that this penultimate episode of the season uh, is directed by Miguel Sapochnik who has who over the course of the series developed this um 
uh, ability to direct whatever the balzer bonzer unbelievable battle scene was. He directed Hard Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think maybe one before, but that was the one where everybody was like, who's this guy? Damn. And then he did it again with this one, which was banana bonkers. So let's jump right in and let's just get rid of Marine right away. Right. Because <laughs> some super cool, I won't lie, like some super cool things happen. Um, I, I'm less interested in the slavers and the fight that they're having with the slavers, but like have at it for like two minutes. And then we're going to talk about one of my favorite scenes. Okay. So the episode opens up with the slavers bombarding the city. Tyrion trying to explain to Danny how it's not such a bad thing that they're bombarding the city. Cause at least uh, the city's on the up and up kind of, um, and Danny wants to just slay them all and kill everybody and call it a day with her dragons. Uh, Tyrion convinces her otherwise, decides to parlay, if you will. They meet with the heads of the slavers, and that meeting goes very well for Danny's favor. <laughs> yeah, that meeting is awesome because the slavers think that Danny and Tyrion are there to basically surrender to them. Yep. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We mean your surrender. Yeah, and and then they Danny goes off and deals with some stuff. Oh, right, because she has a dragon, and that dragon is going to breathe fire all over those stupid ships that are pummeling the city. Oh, and by the way, uh, that lady on the dragon, she wants one of you dead. Who's it going to be? And they mm-hmm. all turn on. The that who they say is the outsider, right? But he was mm-hmm. the speaker of the group. <laughs> yeah, and so what, what's really interesting, I think, is that Grey Worm ends up killing the other two, the two that turned on him, and leaves him alive and says, "Okay, you go tell everybody what just happened, and this shit is not going to happen anymore." Yeah, and the the key the key thing that uh, that really happens here is they look at Danny. Uh, before she flies off on Drogon and says, uh, they say, uh, your reign is over. And she has this, she cocks this wry smile and she says, my reign is just beginning. <laughs> and She gets all the promo lines, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, and we'll revisit that one. Yeah, um, really, really awesome. Uh, in, in, in the slavers fall, of course, and the, the battle is won. The uh, Dothraki soldiers, the horde, comes marching in the front gates and basically reckons the score on the ground. It's all over. Oh, right, because the Dothraki, right? Like, the, you have the Sons of Harpy or whatever the hell they're called. They're busy creating ca- havoc. But no, 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 they're not going to be any match to the Dothraki. No, no. Um, and then uh, a few scenes later, and we're going to cut to this real quick because that way we get Marine out of the way. Yes. You have Theon and his sister basically talking to Danny about uh, we, you know, we we want the Iron Islands. Um, well, well, Theon's sister does, and we're willing to give you the fleet. There's a little little jostling between uh, oh, I can't remember her name ever. Yeah, Yara. Uh, Yara. There we go. Yara There's a little Greyjoy. jostling jostling between Yara and Danny. I think you meant hot lesbian jostling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, some a- serious 
subtext. Not subtext. I mean, it's text. Yeah, it's overture. Like, Yara's like, hello, nurse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, it, yeah, and, and that comes away with uh, they reach an agreement. Some, uh, some powerful feminism happens, and they reach an agreement that they will maintain the integrity of the Seven Kingdoms, and they will earn their lands back, and they will not go out and rape and pillage any longer. Uh, oh, by the way, and now the hundred ships they brought with them are Danny's. Yeah. I thought it was really funny, though, where they're like, wait, but but that's what we do. And she said, <laughs> yeah, she said not anymore. And Yara says, not anymore. Okay. All right. That's Okay. And that's Marine. End scene. Yep. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Battle of the Bastards. I'll be your host, Jenny Josephson. Uh, this is one of the greatest, uh, the greatest things I've ever seen in the history of television. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it is everything. So, like, it is uh, a battle. It is a battle between two dudes. It's a whole feminism uh, thing with not feminism, but like fucking listen to your person who knows the most about evil Ramsey. Like mm-hmm. you didn't even want to consult. Like it's 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 folly. It's drama. It's the rescue from without. It's everything. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> it we 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 catch up in Winterfell just outside the gates of Winterfell city, and um, Stark and Ramsey are, decide to parlay. I like that word. I can use it like three times in this one episode. <laughs> John and Ramsey size each other up. It's a wonderful exchange. Some some rough words. Ramsey uh, uh, mocks Sansa a little bit. And, you know, thanks for bringing my bride back to me and this and that. Ugh. Um, uh, yeah. It doesn't go. It, well, it goes exactly how both of them want, I think. Yeah. And it's just like a battle of the you know dudes well it's like two it, that's dudes. exactly what it is right it's a pissing contest yeah and thank you so for basically the words <laughs> <laughs> or a measuring contest depending yeah. on what analogy you want to use but so i was going with it they are they're basically sizing each other up and at one point john suggests that they fight uh man to man and Ramsey says something about how, oh, well, you know, that would be good for you, wouldn't it? But and, and John says, well, but what would your army think if you're not willing to fight on their behalf? Basically trying to shame him. We have I, I think it's just a really great battle of the wits. And Sansa basically, as they are turning to leave, uh, Sansa says to him, you're going to die tomorrow, Lord Bolton. Sleep well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like everybody gets their peace in this conversation. Um, but yes. then we have this interesting conversation between Sansa and John, and we have a lot of really good conversations between Sansa and John, actually. Uh, and And in this one, she basically warns John, that Ramsey is all about playing with people. He is going to mess with you. So you think you have this plan where you're going to flank him with your armies and yada, yada. 
don't even like you shouldn't even be thinking about that because mm-hmm. he is going to be one step ahead of you and he is basically going to fuck with your mind. Yep. One of the things that's that's really important here is when they're discussing when Davos is discussing the battle plans, he starts mentioning the pincher move and the and the flanking and this and that and Tormund is like uh what? And they, and they, that was and, really funny. And John, actually, John has to we're say, "We're going to attack from the side." Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, oh got it. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just deep, deepens a little bit the the you know your knowledge of Tormund that he's not a battle hardened guy. He he can beat some ass, but it, when it comes down to it, he's not the not the general. He's not the type. strategy brain. Yeah. He's he's hey uh, you go here and do this, and he's like okay, and he does it well. <laughs> you know, job's done. But he he doesn't uh, he's not there to strategize per se. Um, yeah, and then and then John talks to Melisandre, yeah, and tells her, "Hey, um, if I fall tomorrow, don't bring me back." Yeah, please, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> Once was hard enough. Yeah. Again, I'm still wondering at this point, what the hell is she doing there? And so it's so wonderful, just so wonderful that Davos, as he goes for his ritual walkabout before the battle in the dark, (laughs) stumbles upon the carving that he gave to Shireen. God, this is so awful. Yeah, um, the lead up to that is pretty great. It's him and Tormund walking, and uh, Tormund says, "I've got some great goats, some sour goat's milk. Uh, it's better than that crap that you guys have, that grape water you guys drink." And Davos is like, "Well, I'm going to go do my normal ritual, uh, walk, uh, well, well, walk and think. Uh, well, I'm going to walk and think until." And then Tormund says, "Well, how far do you walk?" He says, "Well, I walk until no one can hear me shit my brains out." So. <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Davos on his walk uh, finds the figurine at the bottom of a carn and knows what immediately what happened to Shireen and why she didn't come back to Winterfell. Um, really sets up the the next day. They're all kind of angry. They wake up at, at, at dawn and John's forces are kind of amazed at what they see because they see a huge army in front of them. Yeah. So here we have just like this massive battle scene. And it, you're right, Jenny. This was like the, the last one that we saw where there was, you just saw kind of the masses of people. And it's like, Oh shit! Yeah, and and during the post show, the creators discuss how they took inspiration from tales of this of the American Civil War, where bodies were piled up so high they were actually becoming um, uh, obstacles that the troops had to move around, and yes. that becomes actually really important to the way that Ramsey plans to fight his fight. Um, and one thing here is once the, the, the fight, the, 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 the morass of fighting happens in the middle, Ramsey doesn't stop his arrows. He continues fight, shooting arrows because he doesn't care about the men he might kill on his own side. He just mm-hmm. wants right. every northerner that's fighting him to die. 
All right. So we have this crazy thing going on, but like there's there's impetus, right? Like this is all started again with this thing that he's going to mess with John. Jenny set us up here. Oh my because god. Okay. There's a pivotal moment. Pivotal moment. Okay. So you know how you had no one seen the final Stark kid for like a really long time? And <laughs> like a really until like I guess it was like the last couple episodes ago. Right. And, and I was like, oh right. There was this guy named Rickon. Rickon Rickon Stark. Yeah. Uh, and, who's and basically the- feral. Right? <laughs> He's a feral yeah. kid. Pretty it's, much. It's, it's sort of the, sad. The, the crazy thing is, when you see Bran after an entire season, he looks like he went from a kid to a man. And yeah. Rickon looks like he went from a feral boy to a feral young man. Like, he lo- yeah. he's right. got the same haircut. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think he washed his hair in the three years since we saw him last. <laughs> yeah. And so, basically, Ramsey does this very brilliant and very terrible psychological move where he tells Rickon to like go run and they're going to play a game and run. The only rule is run towards your brother. And so of course, John, because John thinks one dimensionally, right? Runs trying to, is on horseback trying to save Rickon, which of course separates him from his crowd or forces his crowd to come after him. And of course, Rickon, uh, Ramsey, like, uh, waits until Rickon gets really close to John and then fucking kills him with arrows. And that yeah. is the end of Baby Stark. Baby Stark. Do not believe. I'm so sorry. You went there. Oh my God. Oh man. Um, th- this, so two things about this. One, this shows Ramsey's cunning because Sansa told John the night before, don't play Ramsey's game. He's going to mess with you. He's going to play. He, he, you're not going to play his game uh, or he's not going to play your game. You're going to play his. Right. And by letting Rickon run towards John, it, it, it actually wasn't that bad until he started. He shot the first arrow. John freaked out, started riding his horse towards Rickon. Uh, the second arrow Ramsey wasn't even looking in in the direction of of the Starks. He he's, he just shot the arrow, just kind of off in, in the distance somewhere. The third one he actually aims, and the fourth one is his last arrow. If you looked at the quiver that he's pulling arrows out of, it's his last arrow. He takes aim and nails it perfectly right through Rickon's heart from the back, uh, right as he appro- well, right as he gets to John. And every one of them landed exactly where he wanted them to. I mean, he knew what he was doing, and he was aiming intentionally for those targets. The thing... So, I I don't know if this was accidental, Jenny, or if you put the thought into this that it suggests, but I love your calling John Mm one-dimensional, because... That is literally what happens here. He needs to be thinking about the big picture, looking from above, looking to the sides, looking all all over the place. This is his army. What does he do? He goes in a straight line in one dimension toward his brother, period. Mm -hmm. Nothing else on the plane matters. 
admirable and horribly stupid. Yeah, and remember the plan the night before was to hold their ground so that the 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 Ramsey forces uh, had to attack from the front. They couldn't go from the sides because they had already dug trenches, so they couldn't attack from the sides. They could only attack from the front. But as soon as John went out there, he removed his only advantage on the field. Yeah, and he played so, Ramsey's game perfectly the way Ramsey wanted it to be played. So here now we are in the middle of the field, and so it begins. Yeah, it's nuts. Think about how hard it must have been to both shoot this from a directorial point of view and also to be in it like and getting crushed. It's yeah. basically uh, insane. Uh, and so basically the Stark cavalry comes and saves John from being trampled. And then uh, it just... They just circle and circle and circle around uh, one one. They have a giant, for God's sakes, but it's like not uh, helping so much. And then people just start to get suffocated. And then you have this banana bunker shot that er you see on all the promos for the upcoming season of basically John being crushed to death by his own people. And also his own idiocy. And I think the reason that they can't get out is because there's like a mountain of dead bodies like mm -hmm. right. surrounding like they, them. They are, they are encircled by the Bolton army with their shields and spears and everything on one side, backed up against literally a hill of dead bodies, their own dead bodies. And, and yeah. this is all part of Ramsey's plan again, because as I said before, he didn't stop shooting his arrows. So he was literally piling the bodies up at this one point yep. in order to create a backstop so they didn't have anywhere to go. And then these, these basically these flanks, uh, these Roman flanks soldiers come in and they're, they're doing the, they got the shield down. So it's, it's a wall of shields. They're stabbing with their, with um, spears from, you know, people behind the, the shield bearers are stabbing through the wall of shields at, at uh, uh, Snow's forces. And they, they corner them and they're just shoving them into a smaller and smaller space where they don't even have space to fight anymore. It was kind of like the trash compactor scene in Star Wars. Totally. <laughs> right. And you had to climb out on top, which, as you were saying, Jenny, is exactly what John manages to do. Well, sort almost. Of. He, he gets like halfway up the pile of bodies before the people behind him run him over and begin trampling him. And, of course, more of those people fall. And then he just he's basically buried in a, in a sea of bodies. Um, Davos is trapped as well. Tormund is even he, he Dormund's in a one-on-one -on -one battle with someone, someone from the uh, Ramsey line that has broken through and he's just getting his face smashed constantly. The giant is ineffective because of the spears. It's, it's just bad. And you, and you, you have a long period where you see John gasping for breath, like and and it's effective because during the entire scene, I've felt, like my own chest was constrained. It it really does kind of convey the the emotion and the desperate uh, uh, hopes of of John just sinking. And so, what happens there? They are ultimately flanked by who comes in from 
from behind? The Knights of the Vale. Yay! Yeah, and and now you know because last last time we talked, um, Sansa had written a letter and sent to Raven, and you didn't know where it was going. And now we know. Goes to the only was, other person she knows in Westeros. Yeah, exactly. She she <laughs> she wrote a letter to, to Littlefinger and said, "Hey, come help." And they did. They came to the rescue. They surrounded the Ramsay forces and slaughtered them. And then uh, Ramsay, <laughs> Ramsay in, in his infinite wisdom, <laughs> is basically just there with two other people. Uh, his his bow bearer and one other one other cavalry person or whatever you know and and they see and what's going on there were three yeah and they start hauling ass back to winterfell <laughs> run away run away <laughs> <laughs> you can almost hear the the coconut smashing against each other right <laughs> nicely done <laughs> um and uh they get they get back into winterfell and say okay we'll close the gates um one, one of the one of ramsey's folks inside winterfell says uh our arm army is dead, and Ramsey responds with, "So is theirs, and we have Winterfell." Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what they don't seem to realize is that there's still an army outside that's going to come and attack them. Before we get to that, I just back before we leave that war battle scene. I think of anything that I've seen. On a television, well, first of all, I've never seen a battle scene like that on a television show, ever, of that magnitude, that well executed, that intense, and it reminded me in so many ways of the opening scenes from Gladiator, which I truly believe are some of probably the best shot and directed battle scenes in a movie I've ever seen. I don't remember Gladiator if I've ever seen it at all, but I do bring the, to mind the, this is like the medieval version of D-Day as, uh, as shown in Saving Private Ryan. It's okay. grueling. It's bloody. It's true to form. You don't know what's going on. There's a, there's a five yeah, minute period saving, of time. That, 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 be, that was much, much harder for me to watch though. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, this was less hard to watch. I, this was stressful, but it was, it was not like, I can't watch this, but yeah, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It, it, in, in there's, there's a good five minute sprint through the middle of this fight where I genuinely, even though I've already seen this episode, didn't know what was going on. Like there's the the way they shoot it, it confers co- confusion. You don't know what's going yep. on. You don't know who's where. You don't know who you're seeing. Like you, at one point, you see the back of John, but you don't realize it's him until the next scene when it, it like recuts the same shot. Like it's just complete confusion, and it really conveys how awful this battle was. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So uh, you know they run away to Winterfell, but John pursues with army and giant today we have a one one the giant smashes through the gates uh and basically eats every arrow possible on on its way through the gate uh and and dies shortly after from his wounds like he's got dozens of arrows and a couple spears that are not coming out yeah but let's be clear so there's there's a key moment here again because again asshole ramsey is the one who shoots the arrow that ultimately kills the giant. 
Mm-hmm. Right. He, he shoots him through the eye. As yep. as he's already Which means through the brain, right? Right. Uh, like uh, this is yep. this is basically the arrow that kills him, gets him down, and John just goes fucking nuts <laughs> on Ramsey. Mm-hmm. He picks up Ram- one of Ramsey's own uh, soldiers' shields. Ramsey is standing there with arrows. He's shooting at John. Uh, every time he loses an arrow. John blocks it with the shield and he's just, he's not even running towards him. He's like hard stepping towards him. Yeah. He, he is March. He is on a mission to go fuck this kid up. Yes. And he does. He gets to him, beats him with the shield, beats him with his hands. And the only reason he doesn't literally kill him by punching him in the face is he glances over and sees Sansa looking at him. And as is described in the in the post show, he realizes right. this isn't my turd to squash. Oh right, you <laughs> should get the honor, and she does. Yeah, cut to this Ramsey. This is a really effective use of dogs. <laughs> yeah, this is a you, you cut you cut to Ramsey sitting in a chair. Uh, Sansa is just outside uh, of a gate. Uh, it's very dark, and Ramsey's waking up. Looks at Sansa and, says, and tries to, you know, basically convince her that, well, you know, I'll, I'm going to make it through this. I'm not going to, like, you, you, you're not going to do anything to me. Yeah, well, that doesn't turn out so well uh, because, well, you know, he's kind of in the cage with the dogs. He's like, the dogs aren't going to hurt me. Sansa's like, you haven't fed them in a week. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens. And so one of the hounds comes up and licks his face. It's almost adorable. Yeah. The hounds like sniffing at him and, 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 licking at him and he's like get away get away and then you see you see it's not even a you hear you see chop right, right on the face right he he sniffs his face he licks his face he eats his face <laughs> <laughs> yeah in that order and then you hear the tearing apart and the eating yeah and then the other dogs start barking and you can tell there's a feast going on and sansa well she She's not made for this world, so she just walks away. Just just calmly walks away. Um, suddenly has a slight smile on her face as she's walking. I was going to say, with a little smirk on her face. <laughs> because this is such a significant difference between these two episodes, we thought Jenny should sound different this time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <gasps> the winds of winter. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, this is a really cool episode. Uh, some shit happens in this episode. It's crazy. And also, a double do not or a double does it for Miguel Sapochnik. So, again, this guy is really proving himself to be the uh, go-to guy for big, huge moments in Game of Thrones. Yep. Um, I suggest we, we have to cover the twins before we can fully wrap up the King's yeah. Landing, uh, because of, because, well, I guess we don't have to, but it makes sense. The, 
The wait, the who? The twins? What are you talking about? Oh, it's a place where Jamie Lannister is is uh, retaking River Run with help from Walder Frey, that gross old man with a hundred wives. Oh, uh, yeah. And, oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes. This is this is wonderful. So Walder, yeah. Walder, and Jamie uh, have a little chat uh, at the twins, and in in the same hall where the red wedding occurred. Yes. Yes. Yes, and it's it's kind of a beautiful thing because Walder's trying to trying to tout his own, you know, toot his own horn. Oh, we're such a great house, and this and that. And Jamie basically tells him, "You're nothing without the Lannisters. You didn't do anything, and you can't fight. So, what? Why? Why? Why should I even consider myself in the same arena as your as you?" I I think he actually asks, "Why do we need you?" I yeah. loved it. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was wonderful because. Walter Frey is this like arrogant, boisterous, self-aggrandizing a-hole mm-hmm. who just is power hungry for no good reason. Yeah, he's he's basically basically been shat on his whole life, and he's angry about it. Although he doesn't want to fix what what they say, he doesn't want to be a different person or or make himself better. He just wants to get revenge on the people that have been talking shit. Yeah, well, so Jamie's kind of like, yeah, uh, no, I, you know, I don't have time for you. No. Really, this is kind of a waste of my time. Now, meanwhile, we, we've had some interesting stuff go on. Like, we just, like, like some side stories, like right? Not, not even side stories. Like, you have this thing where you notice that these girls that are working there are kind of tittering around mm-hmm. and looking over at Jamie and Jamie kind of passes them off to Braun. And <laughs> Who says what? They're not blonde enough for you. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Which is a great line. Uh, but you notice one of them. One of them is, is continually kind of looking over toward Jamie. And so you tend, you, you get to a point where you recognize her face because she is repeatedly looking over toward Jamie. And that's important that you recognize her face mm-hmm. right. as someone who basically serves in that hall. Yes. Yes. Um, because it, well, it's important because a little while later we, we cut to another scene where Walter Frey is, is being served lunch. Um, just a low key lunch. Yeah, just just by himself, just chilling out, eating some lunch, expecting his sons. He's like, "Where the hell are my sons? Yeah, like, why aren't they here? I don't understand. Why? Where are my sons? They should be here." And the serving girl, who we just became acquainted with, um, decides, "Hey, uh, they're here," and he's like, "Where?" He's looking around in the shadows because this place is always dark, and she's like, "They're here," and she reaches down to the pie. And points, and Walder Frey reaches down, pulls the crust off the pie, sees a finger. (laughs) My sons are the pie? (laughs) But wait, there's more! I did not see this coming! Oh, I know you didn't. Um, All the times you doubted me about how uh, uh, how much fun Arya's character would be. Uh, I, I almost feel vindicated right now, but it's, it's, there's so much more vindication to be, to be had. However, uh, it, it is, it is revealed that the serving girl is actually Arya wearing a girl's face and she's got a message for old Walder Frey. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, she's like, I am Arya Stark. <laughs> and I want you to remember my face. She she didn't say it like that, but it's clearly how I took it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because um, I want you to know the last thing you're going to see is a Stark looking down on you. And of course... Yeah. And by the way, then kills him. Uh, the same way that her mother died. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. How did she know how her mother died? Um, she was there. Well, she what? she was outside. She, she wasn't inside. She didn't witness it. Yeah, but she, like, word travels. Yeah. Like, I'm sure everybody heard about how Mama Stark died. And if, and if It was probably in the play. Yeah, <laughs> it might have been, and if if not, then it's just cruel irony coming coming in, uh, injecting itself in the story. Um, yeah, it's it, absolutely beautiful. I loved it. I love this whole scene. It just, gosh, I'm so glad to be done with Walter Frey. Uh. Yeah. Oh man, that was awesome. <laughs> All right. Can we go to King's Landing? Let's yep. go to King's Landing. Yes, yes. Now we can go to King's Landing, and we should. Okay, so at King's Landing, um, you know how, like, everybody thinks one thing's going to be a big deal in the media? And everybody's like, ooh, today's going to be a big court trial. It's going to be a big day and lots of coverage, and then something totally unexpected happens? Yeah. That, that happened here. Oh, but maybe a couple unexpected things. Yeah, yeah more uh, than one. Yeah, so the trial of Loris begins. Yeah. And the whole city is prepared for it. Yep, everybody is prepping. You you get all, you get this like montage of scenes of what you think is everyone prepping for the trial. Mm-hmm. Classic TV trope, the prep. <laughs> it's yep. actually, it totally is, and it's really cool, and I love that. Um, they did it that way. It uh, is cool. And what's cool about it is that not everybody is prepping for the trial. Right. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that until, uh, until the trial. So right. Loris trial begins and he's faced with the choice. Uh, are you ready to face your trial? And Laura says the trial is unnecessary. I'm ready to confess my crimes. He confesses to being gay, uh, confesses to lying, confesses to uh, supporting Renly and, and laying with Renly and all the things. He can, he basically comes completely clean. Everything that we know about Loris, he spouts out there and says, yeah, this is how it's going to be. But it's okay because I want to be a sparrow. <laughs> Let me be a sparrow. So they they put him through the pain of carving up his head. Yeah, his little seven-pointed star in his forehead, because that's where it belongs, apparently. Yep. And and meanwhile, like Marjorie's like, wait a minute, you said that you 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 said that he could come with us like what what's going on and his his father grandfather whatever father very upset not happy about the situation Mm -hmm. but you know his time is done all right Sansa's turn or sorry not Sansa Cersei's turn Mm -hmm. where's Cersei hey uh anyone seen Cersei uh yeah Cersei is is not she's I don't think she wants to go and also she doesn't want Tommen to go because she sends the mountain, the Franken Mountain, to stop Tommen from leaving his room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, 
the king is basically held prisoner by the mountain. Yes. And what's that about? Like, that's, I'm like, what the hell? Like, she doesn't want him to witness her going through that pain, even though he's the one who basically made it happen? Yeah. Like, that's just messed up. I don't get that at all. Well, about this time, suspicions begin to arise about Cersei's absence uh, within the Sept of the Seven. And uh, Cousin Dipshit, as I've uh, uh, called him in my notes... Cousin Dipshit Lannister? Yeah. Lancel Dipshit Lannister. I mean... (laughs) LDL. But he's given up his name. Yeah, yeah. Now he's just dipshit. And now he, he's just dipshit Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to uh, recover Cersei and to, at, at the High Sparrow's um, uh, command to go and, and get get Cersei and, and bring her to the trial. And he gets distracted by a little kid running around under the under the the sept of the seven. Right. Like not like why? Just why? 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 Are you wasting your time following? You have a a job right now. Your job is to go out on the streets above ground and go get Cersei. But instead, he gets lured into the catacombs by a little child. Yeah, and that doesn't go so well for him. No, I, and but at the same time. Uh, Maester Picel is being lured by another child who who wants to show him something. He's got a got something important to show him. Um, so he he takes Maester Picel down, um, and it, they find Kyburn with a bunch of kids. In Kyburn down in Frankenstein's lab. Yeah. What? What? So. So basically, they end up attacking him, killing him, stabbing him. What is the point of that? Like, what's the point of getting rid of him, of all people? I don't understand. This is a washing of the old guard. As Pycelle's speech says, sometimes to bring in the new, you've got to take out all of the old. You can't expect it to adapt and and And, and I just got it as I said that and you said that. I just, and I remember the final scenes. I just got it. <laughs> uh, he would have stood in the way. Yeah. Sir Anthony of the Reminder. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Cousin Dipshit finds out why he was led da- down to the catacombs because the little boy, while he's while Cousin Dipshit is searching for him, the little boy jumps out of the shadow, stabs him in the gut uh, very conveniently in the lower abdomen, and darts the hell out of there. Um, Cousin Dipshit sees some light off in the distance. Like, what is that? So he starts going and crawling towards it. What's that green stuff? Yeah, well, he didn't even really notice the green stuff because... Um, well, I don't know why. I know why the camera didn't see it because the camera wasn't focused on it. It's kind of blurred out, not not well enough Just lit. Just three lights. You see these little, three little lights yeah. down there. So he gets down to the end and he sees that uh, there's there's the, 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 the green fire has been spilled on the floor. And as a makeshift timer... There are candles on the, 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 the green stuff, and right as, right as Lancel, dipshit, Lannister gets there, timer runs out. Yeah, but meanwhile, back in the scepter, the Marjorie's like, wait a fucking minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only one who has her head. Yeah. About her. <laughs> yep. She's like, something is terribly wrong. 
If Cersei's not here, she wants us here without her. Everybody needs to get the hell out. But the 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 sparrows people won't let that happen. Right. And so they basically doom themselves because you know that green shit? It's really flammable. <laughs> and uh, th- this is the medieval equivalent of a nuclear bomb going off in the basement of a church. Yep. Awesome, awesome, awesome scene. Again, really good effects. So well done. I love the bell falling down and killing people. Mm-hmm. I love just the the expansion of the green explosion. You don't actually see anything horrific. You just see the green enveloping the entire space where everybody was. I, I like it. And you know, <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, Marjorie, Loris, their grandfather, and... Pretty much all of the sparrows, well, not pretty much, all of the sparrows, they're all dead. And most of the noble houses in King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Who were there to oh, witness. Guys, I trial. totally missed that. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Again, setting up for the end. Yes. <laughs> I, I love when the green when the green flame shoots out through the middle of the floor in the sept. And the only person standing there is the high sparrow. And yep. he, he looks up right as the green flame just encompasses him and blasts him away like 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 solder in a blowtorch. Like he's just gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and good riddance. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as you said, unfortunately, we lose Marjorie. We lose uh, her and Loris's dad. It's not their granddad. It's their dad. It's Olena's son. Um, all these noble yeah, houses, so all the sparrows, all of these, all of these people gone. Um, two people are watching from a distance. Yeah. Cersei and Tommen are both watching this happen. They both witness this. Yes, and they have very different reactions to this. <laughs> Cersei goes down in the catacombs and finds uh, the the seven foot four madam who was. <laughs> Torturing her down in the crypts. <laughs> the tall woman. I have it in my notes. The tall woman. Yeah. Um, I, my, I'm gonna just gonna read what my what my notes say here. It says, "Cersei demands confession from Franken Mountain's new toy." <laughs> because yeah. she confesses all her sins. Reminds the lady, "Oh, you just did all that because it felt good, not because you were doing it for the gods or anything else." Because it felt good. I, I killed people because it felt good. I blew up the set because it felt good. I fucked my brother because it felt good. Um, and by the way, you're not going to die right now because she says, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm dead. So it's okay. I'm ready to meet the gods. And Cersei says, you're not going to die. Not today. You're going to be alive for a while. And she goes to leave and Franken Mountain steps in and Cersei steps away as Franken Mountain begins having his fun. Ugh. And and it's it's weird and awful and it's left to your imagination, which is probably a little bit better. Something they but, do reveal, they they reveal Franken Mountain's face because he takes off yeah. his helmet because you know any good gentleman Not will take, as what, terrible take off his as helmet. I expected. <laughs> yeah. Um Frankly, yeah, any any good gentleman will take off his hat when he when he approaches a lady. You know, 
So. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Now, Tommen also witnesses the scepter exploding, knows that Marjorie is there. Well, he finds out he that Marjorie's reacts, there. What's that? He finds out Marjorie's there. A, a messenger comes to tell him, and it cuts to, cuts to the scene, and oh, the messenger yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is there okay. to say, I'm sorry, your highness. Uh, and then he leaves. Yeah. And in in my notes, I have Tommen's spirits drop. <laughs> yeah. So Tommen knows what happened. Knows he just lost Marjorie, and he literally walks out his bedroom window. It's so chilling. It's just so like matter of fact and chilling. He, he and the way they his... set the scene, yeah. you know it's going to happen because you see him walk away from the window and they stay there and they're there for a good 10, what's 10 seconds, what seems like a minute or two. And you know he's going to walk back in and do something awful. You just by that point, you know, this isn't going to be good. He, he takes off his crown. Walks back to the window, steps on the ledge, stands up straight, and leans forward. He doesn't mm-hmm. jump. He just leans forward and lets himself fall. It's effective. It's amazing the way that it's shot, like you said. And, I mean, you never really felt bad about Tommen. Like, you know, he's a jerk or whatever. Like, you have everybody else in the Lannister family. He's probably the best of the Lannisters, but you really feel bad for what he's going through at this point right here. He's not the best of the Lannisters. Tyrion's the best of the Lannisters, but Lannisters. But he he was true of heart, I believe, and he probably ultimately would have made a good king as he matured. What it, it's it's classic Shakespeare tragedy. I mean, mm-hmm. it it's just it's awful. And and add to that now the horrible woman that nobody likes, Cersei. Again, you feel for her in such a big way because she just lost the last of her children. Right. And the next scene that you see is Cersei down in the crypts wanting to see Tommen's body. She sees it. And I I have in my notes here again, Cersei sees Tommen and all humanity is gone. Like all the humanity from her face is completely washed away. There's no emotion. There's no anything. She's just completely stone-faced and moving on. I kind of felt like we were already there with her. But this was just the nail in the coffin, if you will. Well, there weren't any coffins left because they blew them all up. Oh, and there won't be a coffin because he's going to get burnt. Yeah. Right. He's going to be in in place down in the crypts with his father, with, with his grandfather and whoever else. It didn't matter. Yep. So uh, I feel like we should hold off on the rest of this storyline, this inevitable conclusion, because I feel like we should do like the last couple of scenes chronologically. As then, as they were presented, <laughs> sure. I mean, it doesn't. I don't think it makes sense to then go to the next step here. Go for yeah. it. I, I dub thee in charge. Right? No, I don't want to be in charge. I'm just suggesting that maybe we should go back and talk about, I don't know, Old Town. what the hell's happening up with uh, the folks at Winterfell. Okay. 
Um, so oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I was wrong. Nope, not Winterfell. <laughs> we have a side dispersion, uh, a, 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 a distraction. Old Town. Sam and Gilly. Yes, Sam and Gilly arrive at Old Town. They go into the Citadel, the 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 Grand Hall of all the Maesters in Westeros. Um, Sam has to basically claim his his stake as the new Maester at at Castle Black. There's a little doubt there, but he gets invited to the library anyway. Gilly and Little Sam are not allowed to come because no women or children. And Sam walks into the library. It's a beautiful scene. It is it is such a beautiful scene because you see him in awe by these multiple shelves, these stacks that he's walking through mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. books. And it's you're in the darkness and there's a hint to the audience that there's something in the light. But he is just enthralled by being surrounded by these stacks and he walks out of the stacks and I have to ask, have either of you been to the library at Trinity College in Ireland? I haven't. I've read about it. It's pretty amazing. The reveal is very much like looking into that library. It, it was, he's in this Stunning, enormous, nothing like he could have ever imagined in scale and scope mm-hmm. of a library. By the way, the light is not significant for what it might portend, but that it is actually the thing you see in every opening credits of Game of Thrones. The yeah. kaleidoscopy thing. That's what that was. I'm like, why are they showing that yep. so prominently. That's yeah. why. <gasps> oh my god, that is so cool. Yep, that's yeah. exactly what I thought when I saw it. And and then when you when you look at the imagery, so Sam is is amazed at these books he's going down this dark shelves that he's going through. And then he walks yeah. into the light, like this enlightenment literally happens. Enlightenment, right, right. And, and he sees that these shelves he's been awing and 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 just completely befuddled by are probably less than 1% of this library he's, he's standing in now that he now has access to all the knowledge of all the men and probably some women I'm hoping uh, that have ever been in Westeros is in these halls and it's, it's, it's amazing. completely amazing. It's such a good scene. It is such a beautiful scene. And and it, and you don't even know how like how big it is until you realize that on the far wall from where Sam is standing are people. And they're like 3 pixels high on a 1080 screen. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. Cuz it's it's that far away and it's just completely immense and expansive. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> So in Winterfell, John and Melisandre are in the Great Hall at Winterfell. Um, Davos confronts Melisandre um, with the the carving with the little the the stag. Yep, and demands that and Melisandre for for what she's worth owns up to it. Yeah, that's what we did. Right. She confesses. She she basically Davos can uh, forces her to confess to John. Yes, um, and demands that John take her life in 
basically as as a penance. Yep. But John instead banishes her. It says, ride south. If you're ever up here again, I will have you hanged. And Davos says, if I ever see you again, I will execute you myself. So Melisandre's not now, in a good place. No. <laughs> Why didn't this happen, I don't know, a season ago? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, maybe not a season ago because we needed her to do what she did at the end of last season. But why didn't this happen at the beginning of this season? Her presence the entire season seemed unnecessary and contrived. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why you why there's no hard feelings about her having to ride away. Like it's it's a relief. It's because there's so many things going on right now, and this is Davos really just getting into it and like, hey, now I have something hardcore against you. You need to get the hell out of here. Um, and I think that's what what it, what it took. That's why she was just barely around for the last season and a half, because it took this moment for them to have reason to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I this is one of those things where I feel like if George R. R. Martin had written this, it would have been done a little bit Better. I felt like this was too late, like like too little, too late. I don't understand why every single time I saw her, I asked myself, why is she still there? Yeah. Like, what role is she playing? She was playing no role. She had no purpose in being there. She says to John, oh, well, you know that you need me to, defi- to defeat the White Walkers. Well, why? Why? Like, what exactly does he know that would make him believe that? I just, I don't buy it. Yeah, so. the whole thing is, um, uh, whatever. She's gone. More interesting <laughs> things are about to happen in winter. Yay! Yeah. As, as Yay! she's okay. yeah, as she's and riding I'm, away, Sansa and John are on the parapets of yep. Castle or of Winterfell, and they have a nice little talk. Um, Sansa apologizes for not saying, not, not telling John what she was planning. Um, John says, well, do, so do you trust Littlefinger now? And she says, no one would ever trust Littlefinger if they knew him. And John's like, well, we have to trust each other if we're going to fight these wars and make this happen. And it's kind of a nice little, nice little moment where Sansa says, well, you're stark in my eyes. And Yeah. They're basically in deference to each other, right? Like she's telling him, "You're you're a Stark." He's telling her, "You are the lady of the house. You should kind of you you should not necessarily be leading, but you should be in the position. You should you should be kind of like." you know, in the family suite, suggesting that she is the person carrying the family forward. And then they talk of a white raven that, oh, yeah, winter is here now. Yeah. Yeah. Just as Eddard Stark always promised. <laughs> weird, weird, weird. Um, One other kind of interesting... Thing with this, so let's let's get back to that little finger thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, Littlefinger confesses. 
not confesses. I, that's the wrong word. Littlefinger admits to Sansa that he wants to sit in the throne. With her at his side. Gross. Well, we the her at his side thing, that's not surprising. I right? mean, he right. set like, her up to be married to a monster. Yeah. Right, but still, the we know that he wants her. That's not a surprise, right? Yeah. But it's just it's just such a weird scene where he basically admits his intent like like his desire to sit on the throne. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this guy has bigger balls than I thought. <laughs> Cuz seriously, who the fuck is he? Yeah. Yeah. It's he's the local madam. <laughs> right? Like and and he thinks that he should be sitting on the iron throne. I I I just I I don't get it. I really don't get it. And and I know that we see just throughout this series the increased um I don't even know what the right word is, but the tenacity uh of Littlefinger and his belief of self-importance. Y- yes. I believe he and his, thinks that chaos is a ladder and there's an awful lot of chaos right now. Oh, yeah. The, the, no, the, he's true. at least partially been responsible for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> partially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that he's been responsible for, let's take a side diversion to Lady Terrell, huh? Oh. Uh, so she's in Dorne. Right. Like, what? Wait, What? Yeah. Well, well, she just lost her whole family. Well, oh, okay. A, how does she know that? Because we don't know that she knows that, but apparently she knows that because, I don't know, like... Keep, keep in mind that time is, is, is a fluid construct, so we don't know how yeah. much time has passed. It's, it, it seems immediate to us, but it's... You, I mean, she had to have gotten had at least enough time to leave King's Landing and get to Dorne, which we know is quite a ways. So Raven could have landed any time in between, but now she's meeting with um, Alara, and she is talking Alaria's girls down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one of them had the tenacity to to speak up and try to interrupt her, and she basically shut. Oh one yeah, down. no, you don't do that. She shut another one down. Then she looked at the over at the other one and said, "Anything from you?" And as soon as she goes to open her mouth, she says, "No, okay, let the let, <laughs> let the grown women talk." <laughs> And Alara tells her, well, we're here for the same thing. We, it's, you know, we, we need survival. Like if you, if we're going to survive, we need to, to, uh, to join how, you know, jo- not join houses, but to fight together. And Elena says, they killed my daughter or they killed my son, my grandson and my granddaughter. I'm not talking about survival. Yeah. And she said, uh, uh, Alara says, Right, you want justice and revenge. And then, out of the shadows, comes Varys Varys. saying, how about blood and fire? (laughs) And now you know what his secret mission was. Yep. But why... uh, Why Dorn? I just... I don't like aligning with Alaria because... 
She's available. I don't trust her. <laughs> and and you shouldn't. And and uh, Elena even says that out. Like you killed your own prince, and uh, why should I trust you? And she said because we have common goals. I mean, it, it's if you're going to get a foothold somewhere in Westeros for Danny to land her forces. There's no further place that's not currently in the midst of what the hell is going on in the north than Dorne, the very south part of the of the continent. Okay, but what do they bring to this other than like four seriously angry women <laughs> and the forces that previously failed keeping the prince alive. Um, Dorne has land that is not under Cersei's control, that is semi-separated from the main continent, and the Tyrells have gold and food because they are... It's called High Garden for a reason. That's where the majority of the Seven Kingdoms' food supplies come from. And also well, why know, they have all I the know what the Tyrells bring. I mean, yeah. the Tyrells are basically the the... Like, they're the bank for all of this, right? Dorne is basically, uh, their claim to fame is location, location, location. <laughs> okay. They have a ma- they right. have a massive outspurt on the southern end of the island that is separated from the main continent by a range of mountains. Okay. So if you're going to land a very large force, that seems like a likely place to assemble. And aren't they the all only right. country, the only kingdom that the, uh, what's their faces? The Targaryens couldn't conquer. Yes, because of because of the aforementioned uh, mountain range in between the main continent and the massive part of Dorne. Yep. So. What a delightful transition. <laughs> so, Marine, um, <laughs> Danny breaks it off with Dario and tells him, "Hey, you're going to stay here and be my governor in Marine." I can't take you because you're a liability with the Lords of Westeros and also uh, power play. You're staying here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love you. Uh, well, she didn't tell him that. <laughs> no, 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 no. He tells her that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but I love you. And she's like, yeah, but I command you to stay here. Yeah. Um, Goodbye. And eventually. Literally. Bids him goodbye. Yeah. And that that's how he knows to exit because she said goodbye. So, I mean, at least he takes his hint and he does it well and he leaves without tears as she tells Tyrion immediately after. Great. Another great scene. I know, Jenny, you love these. Love. Another Danny and Tyrion scene. Loved it. It's like the culmination of their relationship, which really developed quite rapidly over not entirely this full season. Uh, and it's just lovely. Like, they... Like, he's like her, he's like almost weirdly like family at this point. And it's just a nice moment when uh, she gives him a uh, pin that's the hand of the queen. And he kneels. And it's just like full circle for her. Full circle for Full him. Full circle for him. I, I like it's how she presents great. it too, because she she even says, "I don't. I, I had this made for you. I don't know if it's accurate." Yeah. Right. Because she's right. never seen a, a, a hand pin. You know, but she gives it. She pins it on his chest, and he's just like, "This isn't something that that's a power play." He's not in a position as a as a uh, in name only. He's not holding someone else's spot. He's actually done what it takes. And led an effort 
to become hand of the king or hand of the queen without campaigning for it. Like this is something maybe the first time he's ever really owned it. Like this is something that has been bestowed upon him that he wasn't trying for. He was literally just doing his best, the best he could in the situation that he had. And now he's earned this honor of being hand of the queen. Being him doing what he knows how to do. And so this is kind of like the culmination of this beautiful scene between them where he tries to console her. Not good at it. Where he doesn't really do a good job of consoling her. She's unhappy because she has to leave Dario, but she knows she has to leave Dario. And he tells her, I believe in you. I know that you can do this. And this, of course, is taking your place mm-hmm. as the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a great scene overall. Just very beautiful, beautifully played. The way that it shot in the throne room with the little pillars on the side or the steps on the side where he's actually almost at her eye level when they're talking. And, you know, then he's finally at eye level with this queen and then he kneels anyway. It just over the whole thing is just gorgeous. It's just amazing. It really yeah. laid out very well. It absolutely is. All right. Here's where I think we need to get to the business. Yeah, well, this is where we need to... This, I, we were talking before we recorded that this was like watching Lord of the Rings and the 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 final scenes of Lord of the Rings, one ending after another. Mm-hmm. This was one cliffhanger after another. So, uh, which one do you want to do first? Well, so we have a brand, we have a brand flashback or, or whatever you call them thing going on. Weirwood net. A what? The, Say that the, again? The Weirwood net. It's when he taps no, into I'm just the, kidding. It's like the the internet, but it made of wood. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So his uncle's like, yeah, I've taken you as far as I can. So I'm going to dump you here next to this tree because I know you like these trees that, that bleed and have faces on them. Mm-hmm. And so he and his uh, feral guide. Uh, Mira. Just, it, they're, not, they're not related, right? No, they're not. Remember, Mira yeah. is. Wait, what? Benjamin Stark? No, no, Benjamin Stark is. That's that's no, Brain's no, no, uncle. No, 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 no. Um, he he's talking about Mira Reed. Oh yeah, no. Jojen's yeah. sister. Mira's not related. She's the daughter of one of Ed Stark's closest friends. Yes. Ned okay. Stark. Again, Feral. So <laughs> basically, so she's like, "Oh, are you sure you're ready to do this?" He's like, "Yeah, I need to. I need to get back into the Matrix." So but, well, he hooks back into I, the Matrix. I, I thought I thought it was a better line than you're giving it credit for. Uh, she says, "Are you?" Are, he he wants to go and and touch the weirwood, and she helps him over and asks, "Are are you sure you're ready for this?" And Brand's reply is, "I'm the three eyed raven now. I have to be ready." Okay. By the way, title. Touch the weirwood. So <laughs> the the scene is back to where he believes he just caught Ned's attention as he called to him the last time that he was there. Yes. At the Tower of the Sun, by the way. I couldn't remember it last time we talked about it. It's called the Tower of the Sun. And Ned Stark goes ahead and finishes up. He, he continues up the tower and finds Liana, his sister, his long-lost sister, this one that was kidnapped, supposedly, and raped, and is now with child, like, has a child there 
ready to hand over to Ned. And she's very anxious about this child. And she whispers to Ned something that we don't entirely hear, except we do hear promise, promise that you will take care. Yeah. And he says, well, I don't know that he does answer, in fact, but we hone in on the child. And before we even cut to the scene, I'm like, holy shit, that's John. Mm -hmm. And then John is not a bastard. John's not John's not his bastard. John, yeah, John yeah, John is not Ned Stark's John's, bastard. John's not Ned Stark's bastard. He's not mm-hmm. a he's not he's he's still a Stark because he's Lyanna Stark's son. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, here we are. Ned bore that his entire life. He bore the burden mm-hmm. of Having a bastard child, he bore the burden from his wife, from his family, from his children, from his community that all knew that he had a bastard child. Even his best friend who chided him about it in the first episode or the second episode, he bore that brunt, all of it, every bit of it, never told a soul. Not a soul. See, pays to be honorable. And then we jump cut. That that was supposed to be a joke. Yeah. It, no, 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 nobody no. laughed. No, it's, it's like the only time him being honorable is paid off in any way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we morph from John's eyes to John's eyes. Yes. Jump cut to John standing. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant cut. Yeah, it tells you what it needs to tell you without telling you anything. Yes, and this is what I like to call one of many scenes of the hall of whiny bitches. (laughs) Because the men of the North, the Lords of the North are the biggest bunch of whiny fucktards. All they do is bitch. They're like, it's over. We want to go home and tend our kingdoms. This goes on for a while. And then, I can't believe I missed the episode where we talked about Liana Stark, but... Oh, my God. I, I mean, love her. Liana Mormont. Liana Mormont. And she's so great. She's a love little her. peanut of yeah. terror. Uh, she uh, basically takes all these old farts and calls their shit. She, yep. kept, she keeps repeating the greatest uh, phrase ever, which is, and you refused... The call. You refused the call. Like, it was uh, just like the way her little British face was. It's just so great. Like, I want to know everything about that actress. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, she she really stands up. And again, like I said before, every time she's on camera, she steals the scene from oh, everyone. Oh, God. Um, just the greatest. And she is then the first to declare that her house will stand behind the Starks and stand behind John, the king, king in the north. of the north. Yes. And so the other houses fall in line. Yes. Um, it, it's, it's, it's great. It's all these old men, these old bristled men arguing and pissing and moaning. And then this little girl stands up and takes charge and everything else falls into place. Yeah. 
Except Sansa notices out of the corner of her eye that someone's watching on. Now, this is this I found interesting because I was watching for it this time. Sansa is is smiling when they're chanting King of the North, King in the North, right. King in the North. Right. And then she looks off to the side and sees Littlefinger and he's not happy and her face changes. Her face changes because I think she knows there's trouble afoot because Littlefinger isn't so happy about the fact that everybody wants John to be the king. Yeah. Right. I mean, she is the only legitimate Stark that they know of currently standing. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of uh, mysterious, if you will. Yep, cliffhanger two. All right, next we <laughs> see Jamie arriving home. And I figure, oh, the poor guy, he's going to arrive home to his son's funeral. Uh, not exactly. It's better than that. He arrives well, home to his sister's coronation. Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> And the thing I loved about I loved about this is this to me represents the evolution of Cersei's wardrobe because in the beginning you have her dressing very like summer flowy like mm-hmm. she's still wearing these like soft clothes and her hair's long and blonde and she's just like purposeless and whatever but but uh, and then now she's like basically dressed in chainmail. Yeah, she's got form-fitting chainmail that yeah. is awesome. Brady rad. She's almost like she's almost dressed like the um I want to say Maester Aemon. Yeah, she got chains. They all start wearing chains. Mm. You know, and 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 kind of like the black quilt and but it's in the form of, of a dress. Mhm. And it's and at this point, we're way past her walk of shame, right? So she's intentionally keeping her hair short. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And something else about this scene is anytime, any other time you've been in the Great Hall when there's a, a big thing happening, it's been full of all the nobles. All the noble houses come to see whatever the king wants to utter or whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. This time, it's just full of soldiers because all the noble houses are gone. As you just mentioned earlier, which I totally missed. But yeah, hey, you know, if all the houses are gone and hey, that maester that would have blocked me doing this because he was part of the council and he didn't like me. Yeah, he's gone too. And yep. oh, so, you know, basically Dr. Frankenstein can declare me queen now. Um, you need to correct that it is not Dr. Frankenstein. It is now hand of the queen Frankenstein. Oh. <laughs> because he is now also wearing the hand pin. I missed that entirely. Yes. So you need to correct your address. All right. All right. So cliffhanger three. Next up, we see Theon and Yara. And I figure, oh, that's cool. They're in a position that they're leading the fleet for. No, they're in this enormous fleet of ships from multiple 
army or multiple navies, if you will, that are led by Danny. Oh, and Varys is back. Mm -hmm. And they're standing with Tyrion, and they're all led by dragons. Yes. They are going to take... This world to be theirs. So awesome. So, and there's a lot of, it, it calls at the beginning of the scene, it, it shows Theon looking up at the Greyjoy uh, banner flying in the wind, mm-hmm. and the winds change. Like they go from w- w- screen right to screen left. Right, right. And that's when it comes into, you can actually see what it, what he's looking at. And he's looking at the Greyjoy banner. It pans away and you see so many other banners. Not only the Targaryen banner, you see the Greyjoy banner. Um, you see the Dorne banner. You see a, a rose in there. Like all these ships, like Varys's trip to Dorne netted them more navy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now all of these ships are heading west. And they're yep. all full. And one of the one of the questions that Adario had was, "I hope the uh, I hope the Dothraki farewell on the on the Dead Sea or the the Poison Sea or whatever Poison Water." It shows scenes where they're actually manning the ship. They've had enough time to train how to properly man a ship, and. They have their horses on board, and they're feeding their horses, yep. and so they're bringing them with them. This, so they'll, yeah. yeah this is just, this is a war machine in full running. <laughs> like this is it's amazing. This just this one scene. There's so many things you can break down from it. It's so great. Yep. And now Danny is in her stride. All the lessons she's learned, all the times she's fallen down and had to st- struggle to get back up. So, you know, Cersei, enjoy the throne while you're there. So this is a notable episode, not only for being the end of the season, but uh, this is now all the storylines in the TV series have gone beyond the books. So we are now in just pure, maybe they have an outline, maybe they have general information, but pure... Like television TV speculation, only. yeah, and do whatever the hell we want to do, things. and it shows to be honest. Like, this is a season that I remember thinking, like, yeah, things got a little TV ish. You referenced it earlier, which was like the way that Melisandre was hanging around for almost no purpose for a long time, like, it, it thing, mm-hmm. and then it was so rapidly dismissed. Like, things are just faster and a little more like TV plotty. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And also, it's a little snarky to name your episode The Winds of Winter because that is the name of the unpublished book. Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of like, <laughs> oh, wow. We oh, that's ya. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that in particular. Um, also, awesome. we so all the, the storylines that are going to die have died, mm-hmm. right? The Rob Stark storyline is gone. Um, Tywin Lannister is gone. The whole Marjorie Queen, uh, Tommen, all the children of of, of Cersei, all of those storylines are gone. They're all out of the picture now. The only ones that we have left are the ones that are crucial to the story moving forward. Like everything else has fallen off. Even Arya's story arc has brought her back into the fold of the main area where everything's happening. Yeah, like they're yeah, they're, cool. they're they're trimming off all the split ends. They're they're cutting through, and it's it's just 
it's all meat from here on out. All the all the garnishment and potatoes are gone. All right, that's good. That is good. And that is a wrap for season six. Yes, and I have wow. never I I finished watching this episode this uh, this season finale, and I was like, how does any show any uh, even a, another finale? How do they stack up to this? Because this was just so much, so dense, so impactful. Everything was on point, and it was running full steam. It was so good. Yep, lots of good stuff. We need to get out of here. We have been here longer than any one of mm-hmm. these. Yeah. So let's uh, let let's wrap us out of here, Jenny. You're wrapped. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> no, we can do better than that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone Jen- else do it. I don't remember what we say. Uh, oh my god! All right. J- so Jenny- first of all, you can get in touch with us if you want to give us mm. your thoughts on how season six went and. Where would they send those messages if they wanted to do that, Anthony? Let's talk about thrones at gmail.com. All right. That's very cool. And what if they just want to talk to you? How could they do that? Just go on Twitter and find a person named Ethan Kane, E-T-H-A-N-C-A-I-N-E. Uh, that that alternate personality of mine will relay the message messages to the real me, and then we'll converse and we'll, we'll let our people talk. That's almost as complicated as my Twitter existence where I have, I think like 17 different accounts, Mm -hmm. but they're all basically mirrored at Richard Gunther. So all you really have to do is talk to or follow Richard Gunther and you'll get a little bit of a taste of everything that's going on in my brain. And Jenny, what's going on with you? Well, right now I'm tired. So just follow me at at J E N N I E J 23. There we go. Uh, and she's got 10 million projects going on this, her recent absences, but we will, uh, she, she, she's promised to be more available as we go forward because, well, there's less to skip. And we're so excited. You're back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that, I think that's about it. So we will talk to you. Well, you'll hear us next time when we talk about Thrones. See you. Baby shark, do 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 do. Daddy shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark.